Welcome to Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, where we discuss how to break into the performing arts industry for yourself or your child, teen, or young adult. Guests include professionals who are passionate and share my vision of helping talented individuals land professional representation and have successful careers in the arts. My name is Lisa Solek, and I am the CEO and founder of Making It Happen, a career in the performing arts, online courses, and more. I have helped hundreds of clients break into the performing arts business on stage in films, television, commercial work, and more. This podcast is supplemental to my groundbreaking online courses, Professional Kids and Teens 101, a primer for parents, and Professional Biz 201 for young adults, college students, and graduates. For more information, check out all the ways that you can benefit from my courses, my how-to videos, my live seminars, free weekly newsletter, and free guides. Go to lbctalent.com. My guest today is Joanne Schober. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I'm very excited. So thank you for asking. Of course, of course. Yeah, I'm just really excited to talk to you because I think the listeners are going to learn a lot about the starting spaces that you have to be in and the mental kind of attitude you have to have toward having a talented child and wanting to give them other opportunity. And certainly your story with your daughter, Quinn, is definitely one that I think they'll learn from. And that's why I asked you to be on the podcast. Um, a lot of people like to talk to the, you know, the actors, performers, singer, dancers who have made it and are working in the industry. And certainly Quinn is, but she's kind of at the beginning stages because she's very young. And so telling that story and explaining how you felt at different times and, and just your experiences is going to be very helpful to anyone starting out. So thank you so yeah. much. So let's start at the beginning. Um, when did you realize that she had an affinity for this? And was it something that just you stumbled on or did someone reach out to you? Like, how did it start? How old was she? Like, kind of give us an idea of how everything started. Well, when Quinn was really little, um, she, she always was, you know, dressing up, putting on these shows, which I think a lot of little kids do. Um, so we didn't really think too much of it. It was more so, I think, other people noticing Quinn and then coming to us and saying, oh, my God, you know, she's so adorable. Like, you have to do something with her. She just had this big little personality. And, um, yeah, the music, the singing, like, you know, and like I said, I didn't we didn't think anything of it. You know, she was just playing and having a good time, but everybody would always make comments and, and come to us about it. So eventually when you hear something so many times, you're like, okay, like maybe I should be doing something. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started kind of doing some research, you know, cause you don't want to just jump in, not understanding anything. So started doing some research, um, found like a local agency in Allentown who um, actually a lot of stars, you know, went through there at one time or another and kind of reached out to them and sent a photo, I think, and like probably answered some questions. And um, they got right back to me and like wanted to see her. And she was, uh, she was five. At okay. The time. So she was little. Yeah. So she, she was, was little. little. I think I think yeah. what you're sharing happens to a lot of people with kids with talent. And especially if you weren't in that, you know, space at all as a teenager, whether it was recreationally or as an adult, you had, you know, any kind of experience as, 
you know, if you were in music or if you sang yourself or if you were a dancer, like then you kind of start to notice and you have a barometer to kind yeah. of decide where does my kid fit into the big scheme of things. But when you're not in that space, like what, what, uh, what do you do for a living and what does your husband do for a living? Like, what was that dynamic like? So I work in fashion um, and my husband does like medical engineering. So okay, we, you know, I have zero idea, you know, um, mm. I mean, it, you know, when I was younger, I was a dancer um, always, but we were both very active in sports. Quinn was not really the sporty child. Okay. So <laughs> we really, um, even still not very sporty. So okay you know, kind of probably didn't know at five, she wasn't going to be sporty, but sure. I think it was pretty spot on. She definitely is. Yeah. Not, not mm -hmm. going to get out mm -hmm. there on the basketball court. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, like we, we didn't really know. Now my husband's family grew up around a lot of music, a lot of guitars, a lot okay. of very talented. He does have a lot of very talented like singers and, okay. you know, people in the family, but you know, on my side, I mean, not very talented. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I don't think we, you know, I didn't really know mm -hmm. what to yeah. think yeah. of it. Yeah. And yeah. so really had to rely on, you know, when I met with the agency, um, really kind of had to rely on them to, you know, like I, I had to ask them a lot of questions and, you know, kind of just like let them almost take the lead and, and kind of learn from the experience, sure. mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as we were getting into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you first, um, did she get signed or were they just willing to send her out? Cause she was so little, what was the dynamic? So it's really more like a freelance agency. I don't really think they have like exclusive contracts to okay. be honest. Um, so they would basically, I remember, um, she took these little modeling classes that were there which we thought was a good idea anyway, because she was just getting ready, I think, to go into like kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And she was very shy. She was very outgoing when it came to like putting on these little performances, but she's very, very shy. And she was very much like a mommy's girl. So, mm -hmm. you know, the little model modeling classes, she would go and they would like walk the runway and, you know, learn how to pose and like do all these things. Yeah, and she yeah. just like, loved it she thought it was the coolest thing in the world um and yeah so um you know we spent a lot of time doing that there and then that also included like her headshots mm -hmm. and so they took the headshots and then they started sending her out like once all of that was done for okay all right okay so with um with the headshots that that was your dollar you paid for the headshots it was kind of included with the little classes that oh, she nice. took. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. So you signed up, you took these classes and, you know, it was like every week for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end of the classes, they had a photographer come in, they took their headshots and then that's what they used to like send out. Yeah. To submit them. Yeah, for sure. So how did that go? Was she, um, did she immediately get in the room auditions? Were you traveling with her? Where were you traveling to? What kind of opportunities did they give her? So right off the bat, she booked a Kitty Academy photo shoot, um, where they brought her in. It was, um, in Philadelphia. We went down there and she was a little, uh, Sally ride astronaut oh, for cute. their, uh, one campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that came out. And then shortly thereafter, 
they sent her on her very first in-person audition and we had no idea what to expect. Um, so, and it was really early in the morning and, you know, she's so little. So we decided to make it a family affair and we went down to Philadelphia. We booked a hotel. Um, we gave her like the star treatment, got her some good sleep, woke up early and then went to the audition. Um, <laughs> I just remember walking in the room and thinking like, you know, this is like, it, you know, it's five minutes of your time. You, yes, you, do yes, all of, yeah, yeah. you do all of this stuff and you go there and it's five minutes, you know, you sign in and, and then wait. And then she's, she pops out. Um, and then we go home and on the ride home from the in-person audition, I think we had just arrived home from Philadelphia and her, agency called and started like screaming in the phone and saying that she booked the the job it was for a principal role for a major movie that they were shooting in south jersey and wow. so and i didn't know what to expect you know and i just remember the agent was like rattling all of these terms off that i had zero idea what she was talking about <laughs> Like, um, you know, she can get her SAG card and she can get an IMDB page. And I'm like, I have no idea what any of this is. And <laughs> yeah. okay, so excited. You know, <laughs> and I, I remember being very like shell shocked because, you know, yeah, the audition is five minutes. So mm -hmm. I'm like, and she's, you know, she was five. So I'm like, yeah, that's how much so little possibly done. Um, and yeah, so she booked the first job just, I mean, really just right off the bat um, for the movie. That's amazing. So then what was your experience like with the movie? Like as far as the um, the amount of time that you needed to spend in the preparation for that? And how did that director work with you guys um, through that process? And what was it like on set for her being so young? So her part was like pretty small and i just remember you know we were communicating a lot with like one of the assistants you know and of course like with wardrobe and going over you know different things you know that she needs to wear or like what types of outfits to bring a lot of discussion around the dates because the the dates really kept changing like right up until the minute we were mm -hmm getting ready to go down. Uh, they were, they were filming it in Cape May. So they were get, booking her a hotel in Cape May, but we had to be there just, it was really a commitment of two days. So it wasn't, it wasn't big. One day was the like fitting, you know, doing all the wardrobe and like just getting settled. Um, so we ended up booking a hotel for ourselves the night before, mm -hmm. just so we could be down there and beat the, you know, yeah. traffic. Um, and then they booked a hotel room in her name, which was, you know, so funny because she was yeah, so right. young <laughs> um, for the next night. And she got to stay where all of the stars, you know, were staying. And um, and then the call sheets were all downstairs for her. And um, and then we went to set and we were there really, I, really the whole day. I mean, we mm -hmm. were really, you know, work. she was really working like majority of the next day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so not a huge time commitment, but a lot of like back and forth, a lot of mm -hmm. communication, a lot of just really staying on top of my emails, you know, because mm -hmm. they're just coming from all different directions mm -hmm. and 
really just making like planning logistics, you know, mm -hmm. like in the event that even if something changed, we were kind of like, okay, even if you're not sure if you're filming it, like we're still going to get her down there just mm -hmm. so we can settle. Yeah, our you can't, I think, yeah, for sure. I think you have to be like that and be very accommodating to them because when yeah. they're shooting something like that, whether it's a series or a, a film, they do have to plan ahead but sometimes they don't finish a shot or the weather changes that outdoor shot and they yeah. have to make adjustments and so they kind of don't know exactly when that date is going to be that's why they usually yeah. give you a window when they give you the information at the audition time you know when you first start so she was so young how, how what was her reaction to all of it like after you were done filming did she just kind of go back home and continue to play with her friends and it wasn't a big deal or did she talk about it like what was her perception you know, I think um, after doing like the Sally ride, I remember her most favorite thing was the makeup chair, you <laughs> okay. know, loved the makeup chair. And even when we did the film, probably again, her most favorite thing was the makeup chair, the wardrobe people she thought were super cool. She did get her own little trailer. So she thought that was really neat. Mm -hmm. And um, she loved they they set her up with like an assistant on set to like take mm -hmm. care of her. Yes. And the assistant really catered to her all day and gave her as much hot cocoa and like whatever snacks from like craft service was available that she wanted. She really had this, <laughs> this girl at her beck and call. And I think coming home, I just don't think she realized at the time, like what was really going on, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we were still also kind of like, what is happening? So when we came home, you know, she yeah, kind of just went back and, you know, life resumed and friends mm -hmm. resumed and school resumed. We did um, decide like as a family that we weren't really going to like talk about it a lot. You mm -hmm. know, of course our close friends, but we, we did tell Quinn probably around that time, like, let's not go around and like tell everybody that you're doing a lot of this stuff. And really just because I didn't know how people would react or I didn't want kids to get weird about it. I mean, mm -hmm. at five, I didn't think they would, but as she got older, I didn't want um, kids to like treat her any differently because she does certain things. So mm -hmm. we kind of just decided to, you know, keep it just, you know, something that you do. And, and we also didn't know at the time she was so little, we didn't know like what was going to happen afterwards, you know, mm -hmm. for all we knew that that could have been it, you mm -hmm. know, that could have sure. been the only thing she did. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a really healthy way to um, approach it because um, some people get super excited. And as soon as a child has an audition, they're telling everyone and they're talking about it. And then you know, I tell clients, you just have to think about who you're telling these things to, because if your child does not book, then you have to be comfortable telling them that they don't book. So in the, in the reality, the reality of the whole thing, I believe is if your children love to perform, if they love to be in that space, if they, if they really kind of become the best version of themselves when they're on set and they're involved, then they're living in it, right? That that's what they're meant to do. And it's not really something that you need to, I want to use the term brag about, you know, because right. it's really just what they do. So yeah. just like the kid who goes to football practice or the kid who goes to soccer practice or the girl who goes to dancing school, like whatever it yeah. happens to be, 
it's just what they do. And I think having that attitude, like the way you taught her from such a young age is just so great because I think the longevity of her career, if she chooses to stay with this through adulthood is going to be much healthier. A lot of people who do this, and it's sad because the word isn't out there how this career path works, especially for children and um, teens. And so the average American parent kind of either looks down on it, like, what are you crazy? Are you trying to make your kid a star or something? Like, what are you doing? You know, and they, they all have attitudes only because of the unknown, because they don't know. And what, what do we see on, you know, television or, you know, these films that they have out about these child stars that turned into a little bit adults that have a lot of issues and problems. But a lot of that is really based in parents who really don't understand the big picture of yeah. what this is. They're they're putting too much value on being in one movie. Like one, as you know now that she's been in it for quite some time, one movie isn't going to make or break a career. It's a long journey, and it yeah. takes a lot of time. And you're building a resume, and it's definitely beneficial to children and teens to do this if it can fit into the parents' lifestyle. And, you know, if the finances are there to help subsidize it, then that's great. You know, and yes, it's going to, it's going to give them definitely a leg up on the, their peers and their competition once they become adults in the industry. It absolutely does. So, um, let's move. What happened after the film? Did she have a period of time where she wasn't booking things? Did she continue to book things? What kind of work was she doing? What was happening after that? And how old was she, um, when you started to think about changing, um, you know, changing representation. So after the film, um, she continued to like book small things through, through that same agency, mostly a lot of modeling jobs. She did a few for, um, like locally Dorney park asked her to come back, you know, twice. Um, so she did that. And then, And then probably um, the next thing that we did was she got, you know, they sent me like a, a notice through casting networks to do um, the background for the many saints of Newark, which I didn't know it was that of course, when they sent it to me, but um, they just, you know, reached out and wanted to um, know if she was interested. They were filming in uh, various places in New York. And so, you know, we just thought it would be something fun to do. She hadn't been like on another movie set in a while. So we did the background the one day and then they asked her to come back for the second day, which was originally supposed to film the opening scene of the movie. They ended up changing it, I think later, but um, that day she had to get like a SAG waiver and she was like one of maybe four kids to come back to film that scene doing like mm-hmm. featured background. Yeah, that's amazing. You know what? I think a couple of points we could make that would be helpful. Um, one is that a lot of times when you get auditions sent to you, you really don't know what the big picture is of what really is this. I mean, you can Google it. I tell clients to Google everything. Yeah. If yeah. you find out who the director is, Google them. If you have a young child, you know, Google that person who's going to be in the room and show your child the picture of that person. That's the director. Make sure, you know, you're paying attention to him or whatever. Like there's so many ways that you can get the information, but sometimes it's not there because the project is stealth. And sometimes those are the bigger projects. So then you get in that space. The other thing that I think is really important and tell me what your perception was of it at the time is she went in 
to play and be involved as a background actor. What attributes do you think that she had on that day in that moment that allowed her to be chosen to come back the next day and have something featured? Talk about that a little. I mean, honestly, I, th I thought about that a lot, like over time, because the day that we had to go film was insane. I mean, this day they were filming a big scene in an amusement park and there were thousands of people. I mean, we were all in like this massive tent, um, mm -hmm. just sitting in chairs and there was wardrobe in the back and, um, you know, and just a lot of parents, which you could tell the, these probably these parents, this was probably their child's maybe first thing, mm -hmm. or, you know, they were so excited. They were, you know, not following the rules of no <laughs> photos and videos. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know if maybe they went back and looked at anybody's resume. I don't know, you know, I mean, she kind of just was like, just skipping with a balloon, like around the mm -hmm. amusement park. So, but there were kids on rides and there were so many kids there that day. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know what it was that they thought, oh, let's bring this girl back. Mm -hmm. Maybe her mm -hmm. look. Yeah, I don't, I'm not yeah sure. you know what? It's funny that 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 you say that in that moment. You you, it's hard kind of as a parent to, you. Know, there's so much going on right at that in that moment. So a couple of things. One, a lot of times when you're signed with an agent or a manager, they they do not want you to do background work. And part of the reason is you can get pigeonholed into that space. And there are a lot of people that love that. They just love yeah. you know movies. They love you know television shows. They just want to be a part of it. And definitely the fact that you're mentioning that there was a massive amount of people, they were all in a tent, wardrobe was in the same space, people weren't paying attention to the rules, they were taking pictures. It's definitely a different community of people that live in that space. And once you realize that, okay, this is an opportunity to get your child on set, give them a chance to see what this is like. Can they pay attention? Can they follow directions? Can they do what they're supposed to do? And many clients that I've had who are just starting out, I tell them, well, if they're not booking anything, go ahead and do a background at one, you know, for one project, because yeah. then you can kind of get an idea of what it is that they would, you would be getting involved in as yeah. a parent. And if your child can actually handle the hours, you know, like you said, yeah. you're there all day, right? Um, but I can tell you that when I have, and I have even sent adult clients prior to getting signed to do this, to help build their resume and put something on the resume, even though they say you can't put background on your resume, if you don't have anything else, you know, right. you've been on a set, put it on the resume. But what I told him, he did, um, Mar marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, mm. you know, it was over at, um, it was mm. at silver cup studios, um, you know, across the East river in, in, uh, New York. And um, I gave him all these instructors instructions. I said to him, you need to pay attention. You need to be the, the one who's running to the spot. Like when they say, okay, we need everyone to come over here, be paying attention, keep your eyes on that director, like watch everything, do everything quickly because time is money when you're on set and pay attention to the details, what they're asking you to do. Don't have your own opinion on how it should be done. Do yeah. what they're telling you to do. Like I gave him all those instructions and what ended up happening was he immediately got upgraded and he got upgraded to featured background. Then he got upgraded again. Wow. And he ended up doing, I, I don't know, like six episodes because he was like the guy on, I don't know, what did he tell me? 
He was like the guy on the scaffold, like who lived in the apartment <laughs> complex or something above where they were walking. I don't know. And he ended up doing all of these episodes and it gave him wonderful experience because he yeah. had never been on a set before and a much better understanding. Plus you yeah. have the opportunity to network in yep. those moments. You know what I mean? So that's kind of cool. She must have really been paying attention, <laughs> doing what she was told. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that would be the kind of kid I would think that they would say, no, she's going to be able to come back, you know, and of course you as a parent too, you want to talk about yeah. parents on set a little bit and, and give your kind of take on that. Yeah, because it is very important. I mean, we do play such a big role, like, but, but I play like a, like a supporting role um, throughout really the whole thing. I mean, it is a big job to manage, you know not only sending out a lot of the auditions now that everything is virtual, or if you are in person, you know, you've got to get them there and keep them calm and, you know, keep them in a good like energy space. Mm -hmm. And then really you are the person doing all of the communicating on behalf of your child. So just making sure that you are super organized and pleasant and, you know, that you're not, overbear you don't want to be overbearing i mean i i need to trust that they have quinn's best interest in mind and they have to trust that as her mom that you know i'll ask the right questions or make sure that like i'm doing my best to help her just as they are mm -hmm. doing their best to help her mm -hmm. uh, we all we're all like going for the same goal right and that's really to help fosters quinn you know, her own goals um, of like achieving whatever success it is that that looks like for her. So, mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, when you get to set and you're on set, it's really just my job to make sure that I'm kind of just there. <laughs> I'm a lot of times just bringing something to do or, you know, just making sure that I'm visible to her so that she feels like she's not alone Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause really you're in a room full of complete strangers. You've never yes. met any of these people in your life. And, um, you know, she might have to do scenes with someone and, you know, it's a little uncomfortable for mm -hmm. kids, I'm sure yeah. to act yeah. like someone else is your mom, <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. but yeah. so yeah, you just really have to like support them and stay out of the way or ask if, you know, if anyone needs help or just be, yeah, just be like yeah. someone that, yeah, for that sure. And I think, I think you have to be calm. You know what I mean? I think you have to, yeah. I think one yeah. point that you just made that is so important is that you have to trust that they have your child's best interest. Obviously they want the children to be at their best to do the job that they're hired to do. And that's your job to help support that because you can't get in the way again, time is right. money in these spaces and you don't want to be getting in the way and trying to do their job for them. And so I feel like at times as a parent, you really have to, I had one client years ago. It's so funny because uh, she had a hard time, like not asking a question or getting up or like being right on top of everything that was yeah. happening. And she went to this one audition with her child where the child actually did phenomenal at the audition because the mother said, she said, I did exactly what you said, Lisa. I wore beige. I put Velcro on my ass and I put a lollipop in my mouth. Right. And I was yeah. like, this is so funny. Like the fact that she said that, but it's true, you know, like yeah. you're kind of in that moment, you're there to support your child, to make sure that they're getting water, to make sure that they're comfortable, make sure they get a bathroom break, like all of those things. 
And even on like a union job, they have a wrangler or they have someone, sometimes the nurse is doubling because they have to have a nurse on set that that person is doubling as the person in charge of the children to make sure that if they're setting lighting, if they're doing, you know, they need to do 10 takes and it's been, oh, you know, it's been a 45 minutes, the kids need water. They're like starting to melt, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so that person, you know, has that job that they're paid to do. But if on set, that person isn't part of the requirement, you as the parent have to do that, but you have to do it in such a responsible and polite and professional way, which obviously you work in a professional industry and it's a lot easier to do that, but it is an emotional space. I mean, this is your child, especially with how little Quinn was. So that had to be hard at times to kind of sit back and go, no, no, I'm not going to say a thing. And <laughs> it can get, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. it was fun. You know, it's fun if you let it be fun and yeah. you can just kind of sit back and you're almost like watching the show unfold. So it is really fun to be behind the scenes a little. Sometimes it could be very cramped, you know, like the the last one that we did, we were like literally in somebody's apartment, you know, just like shoved in corners and yes. having to move around a lot. But, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you kind of you just have to you're there to support everybody and make sure that everything goes as smoothly as possible. Um, and just really making sure to get her there on time and, and that everybody's like good to go. So what has happened since that movie? Have there been any other like fairly large bookings that she's had like bigger jobs or she did smaller jobs? Like what happened after that? So after the many saints of Newark, um, I think soon after that, we must, I must, I remember asking Quinn, cause she just has such a great time, like doing these films. And, mm -hmm. and I remember saying to Quinn, you know, look, if this is something that you want to keep doing that eventually at some time, you're going to need some sort of like talent, not, not saying that she wasn't <laughs> talented, but you know, um, she was getting much older. So cuteness mm -hmm. can only get you so far, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was um, so smart, honestly, because there are so many kids that start as young as Quinn started and it, it is cute points. It's paying attention, listening to directions. It's all of those just basic skills that you teach. If you are a parent who is, you know, teaching them those things at home and they can succeed up to a certain point. But then you don't want to get to a place where she's going to auditions and the child who has the training in acting, the training in singing, the training in dancing, whatever it happens to be, starts to book and she doesn't. And so right. that was really smart to kind of start seeking that out. I think some parents just assume that their children are going to continue to just pick up the techniques and pick up the, you know, the things that you learn in professional training um, through the process of participating. But at a certain point, you've still got to get past casting. Right. You know? Right. You know? Yeah. I think this is probably when, um, when she started coming to star maker because the many saints of Newark hasn't been out for that long, really just a few mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this was probably right around the time that we came to star maker and she started taking voice lessons because at that mm -hmm. point too, I think she was, she was still singing all the time at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we knew she had, a some sort of talent there but of mm -hmm. course like you know you you can have natural talent but it still needs to be refined a bit mm -hmm. just with any with anything in yeah. life so yeah so that's when she started taking voice lessons and then she started taking the acting class which she loved and then COVID happened 
And oh wow, right that's around- right. That was yeah. I I don't know why I thought I thought you had been with me longer. And let me just say for the listeners who are who are um, probably wondering why she's saying Star Maker, I had um, a performing arts school for 45 years and um, yeah, and I closed it in December of 2022, but now I still uh, work in the industry, um, helping people get agents and managers and doing all of this, which I had been doing full-time during the daytime, but at night running the school. And it had been very large for some time, for many years, it was very large. And then we created a smaller school. I closed one location and we brought in all of my um, like people that I knew from the industry. So they were all professionals, Broadway professionals that were coming in, um, film TV professionals that taught at the school. And so that enabled us to continue to breed and push out professional kids if they had the interest in doing that. And um, that all started when my son was 10 and he booked a Broadway show. And I had to start teaching parents and talking to them about how they too could put their kids in the professional side. So that's what Joanne's talking about regarding uh, coming to the school. Yeah. So um, yeah, then COVID happened. Yeah. Then COVID happened. I think everybody yeah. can relate to COVID happened. Um, yeah. And we went virtual, you know, we immediately yeah, did that. And um, yeah. Was and- she doing the acting classes virtually? I don't, re- I don't recall. I'm trying to yeah. Remember. Yep. She was doing them virtually. I remember she did like the summer, like the summer program. She did some dance, some acting. And then I remember you, you kept talking to me about finding uh, an agent in New York, mm-hmm. find an agent in New York. I could still yes. hear you saying that. To me, yeah. Because she was so talented and she's so beautiful and she could do anything and I was just like, okay, I knew that she was wrapped because you had mentioned that, but I don't like to push it on people because it is just such a personal decision, but you also had been in it already. So yeah. I was kind of like, she needs to be with an <laughs> agent or a manager in New York who can really yeah. get her into the top of the industry, which is so important yeah. if she really and wants I think to pursue I was, I, was pr- I was like petrified at first because, well, because prior to COVID, you know, everything was not virtual. Everything Mm -hmm. was in person. And I knew how much time now with the other agency she was with, since it was a little more, it was a lot more lenient, to be honest, you know, I could decline auditions as many times as I wanted to. So they didn't really necessarily care. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew the minute that we did that, it was going to be a commitment. And I do not like to make commitments that I can't, you know, actually commit myself to. So it was a big, you know, it was a big, uh, family discussion for a little while and a discussion with Quinn. Cause I always tell Quinn, like, I'm supporting you. I will, you know, pay for whatever training or whatever things that you want to do. But ultimately like, she's the boss, you know, like Mm -hmm. she has to decide what she wants to do or what she doesn't want to do. And I'd never, I mean, yeah, you hear very horrific stories like Mm -hmm. of, child actors growing up. And I, that was always, always in the back of my mind, you know, you are the one in charge of this. It's just, you know, you're obviously underage and you need help doing it. So that was a big family discussion. You know, what do we do? Is this something that we want to do? Quinn, is this something that you want to do? Like truly, truly want to do? So glad that you asked her because I think it's so important because the kids are the ones that have to go in the room The child's the one that has to actually execute and be on set. And they literally have to love that. And they have to need to do it with every cell of their being. 
um, you know, and really enjoy all of that and be willing to put in the work. And on top of that, you're auditioning way more than you're actually on set doing work. That's a big yeah. part of this career. The majority of the career is auditioning and you have to love that. And you have to cherish that. And you have to be in a headspace that understands that. And you need a parent that understands that. So that's just huge. That's, that's really great. So then what yeah. was the turning point when you decided, I know I was doing my online course virtually at the time. Mm -hmm. I think part of that, if I remember. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was, it's almost the same thing. Like how it happened even when she was five, you know, you hear it, you hear it. And then you're like, okay, like think about it. I started doing some research, like what different agencies in New York, you know, were good for kids. Like what did the agencies have that I thought Quinn would be interested in versus, you know, some of them might've been like very print heavy. She seemed to be really more interested in doing a lot of the acting, the singing, mm. like things like that. So yeah. I kind of narrowed down a list of my own and then, you know, just sent it out into the universe. And then honestly, I just totally forgot all about it until um, I got an email the one day and everything was, things were still pretty much shut down when mm -hmm. they emailed us. It was like in the spring and her agency that she's now with literally emailed, set up the auditions, <laughs> sent us a bunch of stuff that we had to prepare. I think I like texted you or called you right away. Cause yeah. I was like, Oh my God. I, I mean, you know, you send it out, you don't know what to expect yeah. back. Yeah. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and you were like, Oh my God, this is really big. So then I was like, yeah, I okay. knew the agency like right away. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Oh wow. This is a big thing. Well, what was funny was you, you really took the course and successfully executed what I teach really on your own, because I didn't, sometimes yeah. I hear from clients and they want to work one-on-one -on -one so I can kind of hold their hand through it, which is fine too, but you did it. Like you, you executed everything. And then when you called me, I was like so <laughs> excited for her and for you, because it literally, when you get with a top agency, it changes everything. Yeah. I mean, did you feel like it was a complete turnaround or how did things change? I mean, you said immediately they started sending you things like what was she yeah. auditioning for? Can you talk a little bit specifically about the types of work that they were sending her for? And oh, how gosh. Often? I mean, we were getting all kinds. We were just getting everything and anything. I mean, that first year we were getting anything from like Nickelodeon to Disney. They were sending her Broadway um, musicals, you know, and mind you, I think she was maybe 10 or 11 and she had not been taking voice lessons for that long and you know and acting class so it was all very new I remember the first thing they sent her for was the Annie that Annie holiday special that they were casting for yes I remember that I actually remember that yeah yeah and um I mean basically even from the first audition that she did with the agency they pretty much seemed like at that first call that they wanted to sign her immediately. Um, and the only thing they were concerned about was she literally just got braces on like the week or two weeks prior to that audition. So that was the only question that came up. And so, you know, we went back and forth a bit. I talked to the, you know, orthodontist, they switched her to the Invisalign and it was a done deal. And we signed the papers and we just, have been, you know, just audition after audition after mm -hmm. audition. Yeah. Sometimes four or five a week. Other times, you know, it could be slow, 
but they put her in the commercial division. They put her in film and TV. And then she was a little on the tall side for the Broadway, but they mm -hmm. would send her Broadway stuff if she met the height requirement. So the only thing they didn't officially put her in was print, but they would send us print work when the strike was happening. They would send oh, her some okay. print. Yes. Yeah, okay. Print work okay. So you're time, saying, but... so when, let's go back for a second. There's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. Let's, um, and thank you for sharing all this. Let's go back to the interview. So yeah. she was being interviewed by the agent and was that done virtually because it was during COVID? Did she do a yes. virtual? Okay. So mm -hmm. did, she did a virtual interview. Okay. And what you did say was it felt like they really liked her. They wanted to sign her like throughout the interview. I can share with everyone, with the listeners that very much the agents and managers are, are extremely busy. And yeah. over the course of a day, you can imagine what they do, right? all day long. You know, how many phone calls can you make? You know, how many emails can you send? And they're dealing with, I'm sure, hundreds of clients. We know that. And so when they see a child or a teen or an adult, whoever, that they definitely need on their roster or that they really like, they're not going to offer you an interview unless they want to sign you. And so that's something that I think a lot of people, if they do have an opportunity to go in for interviews, they think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're just so nervous in that space. Like the agent is holding all the cards. It's like, a, it could be life-changing for the actor, singer, dancer. And so everyone knows that they're not going to waste their time bringing someone in because their time is so limited because when we look at it, how do they get paid, right? They have to have a client book a job. That's how they get paid. They get a commission for a portion of what that, that actor, singer, dancer is making on the job. So they really aren't going to spend that time unless they really want that person. So a lot of times it's about meeting the actor or in, in this case, you know, the parent also just so that they can see if, they feel warm and fuzzy with them and they feel like, okay, this person is going to be easy to work with on the business side of things. Because as you said earlier, you have to be the one receiving the emails. And maybe we should talk about that because I think a lot of parents really probably don't understand specifically how that works because mm -hmm. we're talking about getting the email, deciphering all of that information making sure that the child is available for the shoot days or whatever that is. And then trying to go yeah. through the motions of maybe give everyone a little bit of an example of, of that process for you. Like you get an audition as an email from the agent and then what, like maybe talk about that. That would definitely. Yeah. Be so first very important thing is you always have to um, make your agent like, or whomever a VIP in your email so that you're always, getting the email notifications and not having to like search through and root for them because you could be getting them from several different people that work for that agency. So that's like, that's number one. Mm -hmm. And then number two, the minute you get that notice, no matter where you're at or what's going on at the time, um, if I'm home, I immediately print it out. And if Quinn is with me, then I always like stop and review it with her first. I make sure that number one, that she's comfortable with the content. Sometimes they'll give you some disclaimers, like depending on what it is, you know, you don't get a lot of information, but at least our agency is very, very good. They understand you're working with a lot of children and they might not be comfortable with certain things or 
a lot yes. of swearing or, mm-hmm. you know, so they'll, they'll outline a lot of that in the email, but you do have to read everything very thoroughly and you have to really pay attention to what it is that they need back from you. When do they need it back? Right. When are the shoot dates potentially happening? And then from there, you know, I'll discuss it with Quinn, make sure that she's okay. Make sure like she can film the audition. Like, does it work? you know, within anything else she has going on, either with school or extracurricular activities. If she's not already booked out for those dates, then we would just go back and confirm the audition and just say, you know, we'll, we'll get it in on time. And then, yeah, you really just have to make sure that you're staying on top of it and that you have it scheduled so that they have enough time to review whatever it is that they're supposed to be auditioning on. You know, sometimes you can get one page. Sometimes you just get a blurb. Other times we've received like seven, eight pages of lines that, you know, they want you to prepare. Sometimes the timeline is pretty long. Other times it's very short. So you kind of just throw it together the best you can. Sometimes you're a little more prepared than other times, just depending on what else is going on. But yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I think it's definitely a process that you have to stay on top of because you want to create a good relationship with your agent or your manager of your child. You definitely want them to understand that you're going to be communicative because everyone has to understand that that agent then has to go to the casting director and say, yes, this child, teen, young adult is going to be, you know, presenting you with their audition materials in time. And and that's their job. And if you aren't communicative with them, then they can't be communicative. It, It affects their ability to do their job. And so you're, you know, you're part of that, you know, the cogs in the wheel that make this whole system turn. And you do have to, and I felt with my children, because I, my kids were doing it when they were very young and then they did it again um, at my two younger ones did it at 10 and 15. And I felt that it was, it was tricky. I think as a parent, you, you feel a little bit like middle management, you know what I mean? Because you're dealing with your, you want to keep everything kind of happy and pleasant for your child because they don't need to really understand the business side of it and all of that. It's not their responsibility. And it's also kind of like an extension of an extracurricular activity. It just happens to be that they get paid for what they're doing (laughs) and they're building their resume. It really kind of is like another thing. So if your child is used to, or you're used to your child being in soccer and then, you know, I don't know, joining the basketball team. And then at the same time, maybe they are in the choir and they have to do choir, like whatever you're juggling. I think it's just another thing to juggle. If you end up with too many, you have to say to your child, what do we need to, to get off your plate? But it really feels like that a little bit. You know, even though you do have to like you, I like the fact that you are asking her if she likes the material and all of that. I think it's important too, for people to know that you do have to say yes to things, especially yeah. with agents, because these types of auditions that Quinn is being offered by her agent are big projects. I mean, this is not, yeah. we're not talking about small local or regional projects. We're talking about national worldwide projects. And so The agent is doing their job so that they can get a commission from your child working. If your child isn't going to auditions, if you're not bringing them to the auditions or getting them ready and prepared to do the self-tape or whatever it is, they don't even have a chance to make any money. So the way they're putting, you know, food on their table and a roof over their head is through your commission. So 
you kind of have to be a part of that. You have to sign on yeah. as a parent, right? Yeah. And if you look at that big picture, you can understand, you know, that yeah. they, if, you, if you say no to too many things, they're going to just say, well, I'm going to the next kid. Yeah. You know? Which is why, you know, it was such a big family discussion before we even sent her stuff out because mm -hmm. of course I, of course she was talented and of course she wants to continue doing this. And she can at different levels. It, we didn't have to go full-fledged, you know, New York City agent and all of that. Mm -hmm. She could have done something local, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But mm -hmm. you really do have to take that into consideration. And it's not it's not even just, you know, between like myself and Quinn. I mean, sometimes it's a family affair. If I have something going on, my mom might have to come over and help her mm -hmm. with her dad, film an audition and me write down the instructions to get it out the door on time. So you do have, it is a, it is a big commitment, even just the auditioning piece. And then it's such a bigger commitment when you are booking, you know, the different roles, because then mm -hmm. it is really figuring out all the logistics and dropping whatever it is that you need to drop yeah. at the moment <laughs> and communicate with whomever you are not able to do something with. Yeah. I think, yeah, that. I think too, there's things like just to get into more of the nitty gritty of what you're saying with, with trying to coordinate all the activities or whatever, it's hard, I think for some kids and you know, you're, I always say to parents, you know, your child better than anyone else. And so you're the one that needs to make the decision on these things. But I feel like what's difficult for some children is like the last minute changes. So yeah. if you're like, I had one child who was very cool with the last minute changes, he rolled with whatever. And then the other one was like, I used to call him when he was four years old, itinerary man, because <laughs> he wanted to know what are we doing now? What are we doing in 10 minutes? What are we doing in a half hour? What are we doing later? And he was happier when he knew those things. So yeah. as he went through school, if, especially in the high school years when, um, you know, you miss a quiz or you pulled out of class for something else or an event or if you're an extracurricular and now you have to do a makeup, say a makeup quiz, and you're planning on doing that makeup quiz on Thursday and it's Monday. And now all of a sudden your agent is like, you have an audition that you have to actually go to, or you have a callback or whatever, and you need to go to New York or you need to go wherever that audition is. Yeah. And now he has to let the, the teacher know that I can't do the, the makeup quiz on this day. Can I take it on another day? which is great really for the kids because they really learn adult things yeah. and learn how to juggle and make things work appropriately and be communicative themselves. Because at the high school level, especially nowadays, they really don't want the parents involved in those kind of things. They want the children to be the ones to coordinate and be able to plan ahead and, and do all of that. So they really don't want the parent to be, you know, can the quiz be moved to another day? They want the <laughs> child to do it. So for my one son, it was very hard for him to do that. By the time he got to high school, he was very good at it and he, it was better. Um, the other one was just, it was easy for him, you know, to do it. And I think, you know, it helps them long-term to be able to do yeah. that. But again, you know, your own child, and if that's going to create stress for them, then maybe this isn't the thing you want to do with them at a young age. Maybe it's something that you wait and consider training them appropriately you know, so that they have all the skills necessary to get into a collegiate program for some type of performance career. But um, yeah, that's interesting. What has been happening more recently? Can you share anything recently that's been happening? Maybe talk a little bit about where are you with training? Are you doing anything also to give her performance opportunities so that you can build her resume aside from what the agent is doing? Because many times that concept comes up a lot where 
you know, your agent does a lot of work for you, but you also have to do, you know, your own work so that you're building the resume as well. And you're also continuing to train. So how do you feel about that? And what's been going on with Quinn? In the last two years with the agency, she filmed uh, two short films that happened. Um, one is like killing it on the film festival circuit. Oh, nice. Noticing. Yeah. And the other one um, has not come out yet. And then outside of the agency last summer, she did the ATNY spring musical. She was cast as the lead role of Karen Smith in Mean Girls. Oh, nice. And that gave her a lot of um, musical theater experience that was so different than just doing, you know, she's always done like drama club in school, which is great. And she loves it. That really took that to like a different level. And she just fell in love with doing musical theater. Um, I think it put a lot of things together for her that she was able to working with you and Diana in the studio doing like all the vocal training and at vocal troupe and things like that. And then really putting all the acting and the singing together and being up on stage and just going through the whole theater experience, um, I think was really, really helpful, especially since they do once in a while send her out for theater type mm -hmm. of roles. And mm -hmm. she really, yeah, she really enjoyed that a lot. Mm -hmm. I think it's really great to say something about the differences between like being in a school play or musical and being with other individuals who are focused and who love theater or love performing vocal presentations, say in a cabaret. And I tell parents all the time, like find if your child needs things on their resume, find a cabaret in your area. And if mm -hmm. you can't find one, create one. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like give them yeah. these performance outlets where other people that are their age who love this and who want this and whether they end up doing it as a career or not, they're all very in that focused place. I think that makes a huge difference because I have had clients who were just doing school things and got frustrated. And then they right. went and did something with other people who are in that same headspace regarding performance and everything changed for them. And it kind of sounded like that a little bit when you just described that, like she was with, I'm sure, I mean, she was in a New York program. I'm sure that she was with a lot of other performers that were her age, right? Yeah. Were they, were they her age yeah. or younger, her age? Uh, younger and older. So okay. she was, um, let's see, she was with like her group, they had it double cast. So her group was the older group, even okay. though Quinn is so young that one of the directors actually thought she was like a sophomore in high school when really? she just found out at the end that she had just graduated the eighth grade. So yeah. we couldn't figure out why they put her in this older group, but, okay. um, and then they had like a younger group who was at Quinn's age and a little younger. Okay. So but, you know, yeah, I mean, she worked with one of the directors of the show was um, Carl Anthony Tremone, and he's the producer of Sweeney Todd. So he, so you know, cool. was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. he had his own cast in New York, but during Tech Week and he would pop into the New Jersey studio and, you know, his daughter was in the New Jersey show. So he was very much present all the time through every single show. And um, the other woman that directed like Quinn's show all the time was her name was Sally Ann. And she was a Broadway 
lady and mm-hmm. a vocal coach. And, you know, so, so they were working with people that really understood the theater, really loved the theater. And they were mm-hmm. really great with the kids and all the kids really loved the theater and loved performing. And they all had such a good time and it was such a positive mm-hmm. like yeah. environment to be yes. in. Yes. Um, Absolutely. That she just keeps asking like, when can she go back and do it again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but you know, that was a big commitment too. It was a very big time commitment. Um, not just for Quinn, but for us as well, because we were driving all the way to Ridgewood, New Jersey, which is an hour and a half drive one way, mm-hmm. um, twice a week. And then, you know, um, rehearsals tech week was in New York, two weeks of shows in New York. Like it was no easy feat, but mm-hmm. you know, we made it work and yeah. you know, it was a really, it was just a really good experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. to kind of put a lot of her training like to use you know mm-hmm. and yes she also does her school show correct yeah yeah she mm-hmm. does school shows yeah 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 it's um it's great to do those kind of things um I think there's a lot of people that are all over the country that can't get to New York they can't get to those yeah. programs but I have clients outside of you know Chicago and there's programs in Chicago that you know yep. there's people who are at that level I think it's really great to find a school, whether it's uh, acting school, vocal training, dance school, whatever, that there are teachers there that are, have been in the industry. Just like what you're saying, like you were able to drive an hour and a half, you know, that's a lot. And like you said, it's a huge commitment, but to give her the opportunity to work with these other people that have experience, it also increases her network. It increases other opportunities that might come her way. Maybe somebody who was in the play with her, um, in the musical with her is going to be a part of a cabaret in New York and she could sing with them. Like there's so many different things. It's just kind of, it's like a tree growing. And if yeah. you just keep your, your child kind of rooted in the space of their public school, it's, it's very difficult to figure all this out. Right. And yeah. kind of run into somebody like myself or, or, and certainly there are people who can, can help, but usually it's like, I have a new client in Florida and they live in a situation where they really can't afford to travel to New York for anything, or even to do a summer program, like nothing like that. But I did the research for them and I found a school, an acting school, because the, the, it's a boy, a teenager, and he wants to do, um, he wants to do film and television and they really just need to train him so that he can get into a collegiate program. Like that's kind of the space that they mm-hmm. live in. I just don't have the funds to do too much with him. So I found this school and it was a single teacher of acting who had worked her entire life in LA in film and television. And she had this tiny little school in Florida, a half an hour from their house. (laughs) And if you really, if you don't dig enough on the internet, you're not going to find that. Right. Because you don't want to just look at the first school that their website looks fancy and like, okay, you like, you literally have to look at it, which I'm sure you did as well. First found me, but you have to kind of do that. Because that one teacher, the lessons were reasonable, the family's able to afford it. And now they can train their teenager to really be heads and tails above his peers because he's working with top people. And if he gets to that place where he's ready, that person can make a phone call. Yeah, You know what I mean? That person can give you an email. That person can, you know, and I think there's a lot of families out there that are like, oh yeah, my kid has the lead in the play or my kid has the lead in the musical. Okay. Yeah. They're great. And and exactly what you said, all of the families, people they don't know are coming up to them and saying, you know, your child should be on Broadway. What are you doing? Well, you need to do something like you hit me on the head saying, 
you have to find training. Yeah. You're not yeah. even going to get into collegiate program without some professional training. It's very yeah. difficult. Because yeah. even, even look at all of the very talented people that are still trying to find work. There's, there's limitless talented people out in the world. Yes. You know, I mean, you go to Ellen Stardust Diner, a lot of them <laughs> are not employed today, but they are phenomenal yeah, waitresses yeah. and waiters. So, <laughs> you know, there are tons of people that have the training and there's tons of people that are auditioning and you're going to audition for a lot more roles than you're ever going to book. And you just have to make sure your expectations are really level set with yourself, your family, your child, you know, whoever it is. And, you know, and if the, if the stars align and if a role is right for you, then, you know, you'll, you'll get the role and you'll move on and you'll move on to something else. Right. And, but if you don't, that's okay. There's another one that's going to be waiting for you. If you just kind of keep plugging away. Um, I forget who said it, but I watched like some late night show a long time ago. And this always stuck with me that the late night guy said to an actor, you know, there's really no such thing as failed actors. There's just actors that gave up because it really, you're in it. You're not, it's not supposed to be like a short burst of fame. I mean, mm. you might see that, or people might think that when you see someone that like is brand new and now they're all over the place, it's like, they might think that, oh, they literally just got into this game. And it's like, if you really start digging a lot of these people have started at a very, very, very young age, or they've still been in it for like 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not, it's just, they don't talk about all the failed auditions that they didn't get, you know, yeah. they yeah. You only know of the stuff that you're, you're watching them in. So you, you are in it for the long game, you know, and that kind of has to be like the purpose and mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like anything else you have to try and get better and better or just at least put the work in, you know, whether it's auditioning or taking classes or just kind of, you know, using your time wisely to like learn new things or meet new friends that are interested in the same thing that you are. I think that's really important too, because not everybody at school is going to get it. Yes. You know, that's not a really understand. good point. Yeah. You made such great points there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today. This has been really great information. And I really think that, you know, I've had, I've actually had a lot of people that have reached out after watching some of the podcast episodes because they're learning so much. And this is just such a wonderful story and you're still in it, you know, like you're yeah. still like in still the, it. in the, we'll see what happens when the strike is, uh, I mean, I know the strike is officially over, but yes. yeah, it's been, uh, it's been interesting since she got with the new agency, right? Because it was like COVID. And so things were slow, you know, but I was happy about that because it gave us time to all kind of transition to a new Yeah, yeah, that worked out perfect. Thing. It worked out really nice. And now with the strike, it actually worked out really nice to get her transitioned into her freshman year of high school. And like anything she wants to do there, she could kind of do without me feeling like, oh no, I'm going to have to like at the last minute, tell somebody that she needs to be somewhere else. Yeah. So we've yeah. been, you know, it's been a nap. nice little, a nice little uphill climb, but yeah, now with the strike nice. over and pilot season on the cusp of happening come, you know, usually yeah. starts around December, but definitely for children, yeah. January to April, look out, strap in. 
yeah so we'll see what happens <laughs> i love it i love it oh my gosh thank you so much oh you know what can you let everyone know how they can follow queen's journey does she have an instagram do you have oh, yeah. one are you on social media just so that if people would like to kind of follow what's going on with her they can reach out so if anyone wants to follow quinn she's on instagram she's at i am quinn fucci it's i a m Q-U-I-N-N-F-U-C-C-I. And I do, I do update that page. So anything that she's doing with film, TV, um, singing, you know, we try to keep mm -hmm. that updated. Awesome. Awesome. And are you on any social media as well? Yeah, I have Facebook. Okay. Um, so you guys can follow me too on at uh, Joanne Schober. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Great. Thank you so much for today. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with Joanne and follow Quinn's journey, follow her on Instagram at I am Quinn Fucci, and you can follow Joanne on Facebook at Joanne Schober. And join me Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Need more information? Visit lbctalent.com and follow me on socials at Lisa Solek underscore lbctalent. By sharing our stories, we can help other talented individuals land the career of their dreams. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like and subscribe below and hit the notification bell. And follow me on social media platforms at Lisa Solak.